the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into hour two of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're developing kind of a theme today, and that's talking to people who uh, have written things based on true stories. We have a musical guest who uh, has a a new song, uh, a new rap song out about uh, being an immigrant. He's from Brazil, lives in New York. And uh, our first guest uh, earlier this morning um, had, a, had a novel that was based on uh, true events or actual events. And this, my next guest has uh, a debut thriller based on a true story. He is uh, author and host of uh, a radio show on uh, NPR's affiliate in Santa Fe, Bill Saubert, and he joins me by phone to talk about his debut thriller, The Girl with the Green Lipstick. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. It's a real pleasure to be here and uh, share some time with you and your uh, listeners. i, I got to ask you, because it, it, it really stands out it, in the title, but also on the cover of the book, The Girl with the Green Lipstick. Now, the cover of the book is black and white, except for green lipstick. Um, what what is the significance of that? <laughs> well, <clears throat> it turned out that <clears throat> the uh, the woman that is the uh, central character in this uh, novel that I've written, um, at one point after she and I split up uh, and she had moved to Colorado, um, a box arrived at a house that I had uh, purchased for her and I to live in, in Albuquerque, and the new owners, 
were surprised. It was addressed to my ex-wife, this woman, uh, but to this uh, to the address in Albuquerque. And uh, so they called me and said, "What should we do with the box?" And I said, "Well, why don't you uh, why don't you open it up and just see what's in there?" And it was from Ulta.com, which is a high-end uh, cosmetics place, and uh, which this gal that I had been involved with uh, ordered a lot of stuff from online. At any rate, um, so the gal opens it up, and I said, what's in there? And she said, well, there's a makeup brush, and there's some rouge, and then there's, holy cow, she said, it's a deep frog green lipstick. And I said, <laughs> What? And she said, yeah. And uh, so at any rate, I, I Googled the name she gave me. And it turns out when you put this stuff on, it goes on a very dark frog green, but the pH in your lips turns it bright pink. Really? And, uh, yeah, huh. yeah. And so <laughs> I thought, that's, that's just like this strange gal that I had been involved with. And I thought, yeah, she's the girl with the green lipstick, all right. Well, I, you know, Bill, I'm choking back uh, uh, the urge to make reference to making a left turn at Albuquerque. But um, I, I really want to ask you about, you make no bones about the fact that this, that the events outlined in this book happened to you. Um, largely. I mean, there are parts of it that <clears throat> are about the protagonist uh, who that I, I simply couldn't know the actual details. Um, but uh, the uh, parts that are about my relationship with the love of my life, who died of ovarian cancer now seven years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that is certainly very true, the way it's portrayed. Um, and then uh, the events uh, with this woman that I subsequently got involved with, and um, she ended up, um, unbeknownst to me, being a repeat offender felon. Uh, she stole, she was my general manager. I have, at the time, I had five retail stores, and she became my general manager of that operation. And she embezzled somewhere in the vicinity of $250,000 uh, from that operation. And um, at any rate, uh, when I finally said, holy cow, I've made a mistake here, um, my attorney said, do you mind if I run a background check on this woman? There, something doesn't add up. And I said, no, please, you know, be my guest. I, let's find out all we can find out. And she called me, my attorney, and said, uh, I think you need to come to my office. And I said, okay. So I walked into a conference room, and she must have had 300 pages of documents about this woman that I'd been involved with, um, criminal record. And uh, she'd been in prison uh, four times uh, for felony convictions. One was a federal crime, mail fraud, and uh, the other two were for embezzlement. And then um, she had moved from where she was living in New Mexico to Albuquerque and had not gotten the court's permission to do so. And so they sent her back to prison for 60 days to remind her who makes the rules. So she'd been in prison four times over the course of about a, I don't know, 15, 16-year period. 
And in your relationship with her, you had no idea about any of this or that any of this was going on? Not a clue. Not a clue. And, you know, um, so after my wife died of cancer, I wore my wedding band for 16 months. I still felt married. And finally, a neighbor's wife said, you need to get out there. I mean, you, you really need to get out there. And my wife, before she died, we knew she was terminal, and so we had some time to, um, you know, really say important things to each other. And, and at one point she said to me, look, you're young, you're healthy. Um, when I'm gone, I want you to, uh, when it's time and you feel it's time, I, I want you to have a relationship with somebody else. And I said, uh, gee, Carol, I don't even want to think about that, but uh, thank you. That's a gift. And uh, so when I took my wedding band off and and joined an online dating site, um, the first gal I met was this gal. And she was lively and fun and sexy. And did I mention sexy? And uh, and, uh, so uh, I was just smitten with her and uh, she seemed you know really like um she would fill this terrible void in my heart and uh she was cagey and you know and we made it she was kind of playing hard to get and then finally at one point she called me and said i lost my job and uh, i said wow it turns out i need a manager in one of my stores and uh, I said, I can pay you X an hour. And she said, holy cow, that's like $5 more an hour than I was getting paid. And I said, well, you know, you got, you told me you have retail experience and you've got a business degree. And she said, yeah. I said, okay. Well, it, it turned out the retail experience was at a store in the Washington, D.C. area, a woman's boutique. And she'd been embezzling from that operation, and that was the first time she got sent to prison. And she did indeed have a business degree uh, from uh, George Mason and in Washington. And uh, she uh, then, <clears throat> when uh, she moved out to New Mexico with her husband at the time, um, got a job at a Lutheran church. And she was the office manager. And one of the uh, duties, uh, primary duties, was to count the Sunday collection baskets and make the deposit. And having all that nice cash around was just almost more than she could deal with, so she started dipping into it. And, you know, I don't know how it goes, because I'm not a pastor of a church, but if I'd been a pastor of a church for, say, 20 years, I imagine I would know the generosity of my parishioners pretty well. And if all of a sudden it started to trail off pretty seriously, (laughs) and nothing had changed, really, uh, I think I would... I'd start digging into that a little bit, and sure as heck, this guy did, and uh, she went back to prison on two felony convictions and served a year and a half, and uh, all of which, you know, I had no idea, and uh, so at any rate, she married a guy, she was 51, he was 34, can you say sex, drugs, and rock and roll? (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, so that was husband number two, the first guy she was married to for about 23 years. He was the uh, father of her two kids. And at um, any rate, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is 
when you're vulnerable and there are predators out there, um, you begin to rationalize things. And I'm reminded of, of a conversation in the movie The Big Chill between the Kevin, um, not Costner, Kevin, uh, what's his name, Bacon. character. You no, know, no, not, not him. Um, I'll think of it in a sec. But at any rate, and Jeff Goldblum. And uh, they're talking about what is the most important uh, Kevin Klein? Kevin Klein, that's him. Okay. Of the human condition. What's the most important element of the human condition? <clears throat> and Klein immediately says, sex. And Goldblum said, no, rationalization. And the Klein character says, rationalization? What are you talking about? And the Goldblum character looks at him and he says, have you ever gone a week without a rationalization? <laughs> and, and so, you know, when, you're, when your heart takes control... Um, even if there are some negative things that go on, uh, you just kind of ignore it. You rationalize it. You say, I'll get through this. And uh, so I, uh, when she started working for me, my attorney said, you know what, Bill, I think you should not date her because there are too many opportunities uh, for bad things to happen, like sexual harassment suits. And I said, oh, boy, well, okay. You know, I mean, I could fire her and say, no, don't do that. That'll, get, that'll definitely get you a lawsuit. And I said, okay, all right, fine. So we didn't date for about 18 months. I dated other gals. I was on this online site, um, and she worked for me, and I was around her all the time. And uh, finally, at one point, I just said, you know what? Um, I can't get involved with anybody else because I'm really in love with you, and let's try this. And she said, well, okay. And I said, fine. And then she began to get kind of um, antisocial toward me. And I said, I think you don't believe that I want to marry you. And I said, I really do. And she said, uh, okay. And so we got married. And I bought this house in Albuquerque. I have a house in Santa Fe. She didn't want to live here full time. Three of my stores were in Albuquerque, and her son was at UNM, and that's in Albuquerque. So she said, look, I've got reasons to be in Albuquerque all the time. And um, I said, fine, I tell you what, I'll buy a house. You and I will spend two or three nights a week there, two or three nights a week at my place in Santa Fe. And then, you know, one or two nights a week, we'll do our own thing. I play tennis at night. She was addicted to prescription pain medication, and she went to N.A. meetings. And uh, so I said, okay, you know, that, that makes sense to me. Shortly after I bought the house, she moved her lover into the house <laughs> and uh, started living with him. And uh, so, I'm, you know, I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. And she said, well, we're, you know, we're not, we're not intimate, but he needs a place to live, and, you know, he's a friend. And I'm like, I don't believe a word of that, you know, but okay. <laughs> so oh, Bill. when I... When I finally forced them to move out, I divorced her, and they had to move out, um, he borrowed a ladder from a neighbor and uh, got up on the roof and punched two mm, probably 50-cent-sized holes in the roof 
right in front of where the water runs off. Bill, we're going to have to we're going to have to pause here because I have to go okay. to a break. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? And we'll you just you bet, absolutely. And Tom. we'll we'll just leave that guy on the roof for now, and uh, we'll be right <laughs> back. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with the uh, ongoing saga of the uh, girl with the green lipstick by uh, author and NPR host Bill Saubert, uh, who um, joins me by phone. Bill, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no, <clears throat> Tom. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure. And uh, I enjoyed all the advertisements. Uh, it reminded me that uh, <clears throat> the show I do on the local NPR affiliate, I do two shows, uh, are uh, political opinion shows. And so uh, I've got a panel of about 14 folks, and each uh, week uh, I have three of them and a moderator. And uh, we talk about, uh, you know, uh, political issues. Then there's a monthly show that's an hour format. That's the same four people every month. And we rotate moderator assignments. And uh, we've gotten to know each other. Pardon? I said that's fun. Yeah, it is fun. And uh, we've gotten, those four of us have gotten to know each other so well that it's almost like... uh, getting together on a Sunday afternoon, you know, after you had a brunch, and uh, you're just chewing the political fat, and uh, it's uh, it's really enjoyable. We get really good uh, comments from people about that show, so... Uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun to do. Well, that's that's like uh, and you heard the spot uh, for armchair politics. We have exactly. Uh, I I serve as the moderator, and it's a round table of three. There are two regulars, one on the right, one on the left, and then we rotate the third chair, and and we have different people every week. Yeah. So the uh, weekly program is called the Forum, <clears throat> and that's exactly the format is. Uh, a moderate, a progressive, and a centrist, and uh, and then the Forum Plus is the uh, monthly show, and it's two uh, moderates and two progressives, and uh, so at any rate, yeah, it's uh, you know what I love is the moment when my two diametrically politically opposed panelists look at each other and say, you know, I agree with you about that. <laughs> you know, you're preaching see. to the choir, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love you know, those moments uh, too. Yeah, it's it's terrific when we can get to that, and it's civil. And uh, you know, I say, look, we may disagree with each other, but at least we respect each other, and that's what's key. So, any rate, um, well, we before the my, yeah, I was going to say before we left the, my guy on the roof. Yeah, before the, the break in the uh, previous episode of the girl with the green lipstick, <laughs> the the new. Uh, debut thriller by bill sobert um we left off with uh with your soon to with your ex-wife or recently soon to be ex-wife right soon to be ex-wife's lover on the roof poking holes and i think that's where we left off so in new mexico most of our roofs are flat and so in order to make sure that rainwater and snow melt um run off 
<clears throat> there's a thing that sticks out over the edge of your wall of your of your house on the outside that's called a canali, a canal. And so you know for sure water is going to run through that area. So this fellow got up on the roof and drilled two 50-cent-sized holes uh, right in front of the canali to maximize water flow into the roof deck and to the ceiling below it. And so there was very serious water damage when I took over the house. And... uh, so I <clears throat> came to the house after they'd moved out, and, and my neighbor, whom I barely knew, showed up, and she said, are you the husband? And I said, well, I'm the uh, ex-husband, but I'm the owner of the house. She said, well, I'm confused because there's been another man living here for several months. I said, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, what can I tell you? He borrowed a ladder from me. I oh, said, really? <clears throat> yeah, I said, and you saw him go up. Oh, yes, he was up on the roof for a while there doing something. I said, oh, well, he was drilling holes in in the roof. (laughs) So then I sold the house uh, to a a couple, and this is the couple that the box with the green lipstick arrived at. And uh, I said, you know what? The one fixture in the house that my ex-wife wanted was a ceiling fan in the master bedroom. And they replaced it with the ceiling fan that had been there, Uh, originally when I bought the house, I said, do me a favor. The boyfriend is a handyman. He's a Mexican national. I said, I don't know that he's a qualified electrician. Just make sure that that fixture is wired properly. And uh, so my new owner said, "Uh, fine, I'm kind of handy. I'll get up there and just check it. So he took off the base plate and uh, discovered an incendiary device in the uh, wired to the uh, to the ceiling fan, and the only reason it didn't go off and burn the house down is because apparently when they were the original people who put the incendiary device in there, either my ex-wife or her boyfriend or both of them, uh, one side came disconnected from the, the, the where they'd been tied into the wiring. And uh, it scared the bejesus out of my new owner. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. <clears throat> so we uh, <laughs> we turned that over to the sheriff's department, and we'll see what they do with that. But, uh, yeah, so uh, her antisocial behavior toward me got more and more extreme. And uh, But at any rate, I have reason to believe that she'll be going back to prison soon again, and uh, nothing would suit me more. So, Well, at least you're helping out by finding her a place to live. Exactly. And steady <laughs> meals. Yeah, you know, there you go. She'll have a job, no doubt. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, but the, um, uh, you know, it's funny when you uh, start telling people, you know, so, you know, people would say to me, well, where's your, where's your wife? I said, well, I'm, I'm married, but I don't think I have a wife. And, uh, you know, social events, you know, she wouldn't show up. And uh, so after we got divorced and people said, you know, you're, you're divorced, you've, you've only, you only got married six months ago. I said, yeah, no, I know. And uh, so I'd start telling them this story and, <laughs> and what I had discovered. And they'd say, no. And I'd say, yeah. And then you tell them some more and they say, oh, my God. 
you say, yeah, well, there's more. And you tell them some more, and they say, you're making this up. And I say, no, <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> and <clears throat> so finally they say, you've got to write a book. And I said, you know what, maybe I should. And uh, I was in therapy uh, for a variety of reasons, but this was certainly one among them, this relationship that I'd been in. And uh, <clears throat> so I, uh, I was telling my therapist about, you know, the events, and of course she knew a lot of the detail, and in fact had been, I'd been in her office when uh, my uh, wife at the time had called, and uh, she'd managed to uh, disassemble the uh, air conditioning system, uh, looking for where to put the filter. And uh, I said, well, holy cow, I mean, I'm coming down there in a day or two. I could have shown you or you could have called me. And she shouted at the top of her lungs, I'm not a blanking moron. And I said, well, no one said you were. Well, I was in my therapist's office. She shouted so loud that my therapist heard her <laughs> and, oh, and blanched. And she was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, what, what is that about? And uh, so at any rate, um, she said, you know what, I encourage you to write this book. It'll be good therapy. And uh, I said, okay. And uh, she said, as a matter of fact, I have a couple of books you ought to read. They're about... Um, narcissists and psychopaths, and uh, it'll be enlightening for you. And so I started uh, reading about people like this, and uh, <clears throat> one guy is a researcher, and he discovered, he's a clinician, and he discovered that when he was talking to other clinicians about his patient, and he'd say, I think they're a psychopath because they exhibit these behaviors. And the other clinician would say, well, I think my patient is a psychopath as well, because it's a spectrum from sociopath to psychopath, um, and they exhibit some of the same behaviors, but not all, and they exhibit some other behaviors. So this group of clinicians uh, got together because they realized they didn't have a way of categorizing the severity of the type of behaviors and the severity in order to be able to determine kind of where someone was on the spectrum. And so they actually um, developed this uh, set of metrics. And uh, the, uh, the thing they, that was the most frightening to me was this author said, um, his name is Robert Hare, H-A-R-E, he said, what's amazing is even if there were only, say, 0.001% of the population that had these behaviors, that's still millions of people. Millions. And they're everywhere. And they look just like us. And they behave just like us. And they're having children just like us. And he said, it's, it's scary to realize how many people are out there that are on this spectrum and are taking advantage of normal, nice people. And that just, I mean, I, I thought, holy cow. Well, you know, Bill, you know what's what's interesting about that, and something I wanted to, to bring up with you is because of the fact you just shared and, and learned, um, there are a great many people 
who encounter bad relationships, especially shopping online. And, That's true. And, but most of them are embarrassed by what happened and rarely share it with people except maybe a good friend in a bar after a lot of beers. Um, what makes you so open about what happened to you, even to the point where you would lay it all out in a book? I understand it can be therapeutic, but it also seems like it could be a little embarrassing. Why isn't it to you? Oh, I'm I'm very embarrassed. I'm you know as I said I'm I no seriously I mean <clears throat> you know people would say to me you're an intelligent successful guy generous to a fault how could this happen to you and I'd say I I really can't explain it and in the book I call it the carry effect and in fact you're probably familiar with a thing called the Stockholm syndrome sure where people who are imprisoned fall in love with their prisoner. I mean, the people that are holding them hostage. And this gal just had me. And yes, I'm embarrassed, but it's enough of a lesson to, um, I think, share. And, and, you know, people, as I say, you know, I would tell them uh, elements of this, and, the, and in the end they'd say, you've really got to write a book about this because it's just, it's shocking and and true, I mean, elements of it are true. Other parts, of course, I had to make up because I, I wasn't around her as she was growing up and some other things. Um, but interestingly enough, when you have the kind of criminal record that she's got, um, the, the amount of detail that's in the court documents is shocking. <clears throat> I mean, it's really remarkable how much stuff uh, gets revealed about somebody. And, I was going to ask uh, how much you had to research, you know, to, to flesh this all out. Well, I mean, there were things where, uh, that she had told me, and I um, would expand on those. So as an example, she said um, in high school, uh, the father of one of her first serious boyfriends propositioned her. And so in the book, I just say, well, she actually acted on that. Now, I don't know whether she did or she didn't, um, but she did say that, you know, she knew that men of all ages looked at her differently than other girls. And uh, she saw that as a tool, as an asset, as something she could use. And she did. And I don't know whether, you know, she, uh, in fact, took money for sex. Uh, I don't have any proof of that. But it's... uh, psychopaths, sociopaths, um, are generally either promiscuous or sadistic or both. And so in the first couple of chapters, I show that she's both. Uh, she was sadistic toward her younger brother and uh, and sexually promiscuous at a young age. And um, so at any rate, um, you know, so I'm working with uh, elements that I know about um, sociopaths or psychopaths in general, I take a comment that she made, and then I go expansio ad absurdum, which is the opposite of reductio ad absurdum. (laughs) Blow it up as big as it can be. (laughs) More is better. Exactly. Um, 
In, so in, I wanted to say that people yeah, can uh, read a few chapters, if they don't want to actually buy the book straight off, at my website, which is Bill Saubert, spelled B-I-L-L-S-A-U-B-E-R-T, dot com. And it's available both in electronic version, as an e-reader Kindle book, and print-on-demand hard copy version on Kindle. And I was going to ask you if you had a website. Are there links to your other uh, projects and work there as well? There are. Good. Uh, in fact, you can uh, go on to BillSaubert.com, <clears throat> and you can listen to uh, about seven years' worth of podcasts of the forum and the forum plus. There's a link to uh, click through and, and listen to uh, podcasts. And uh, then uh, there are other things. I'm involved with two not-for-profits here in town, the uh, Botanical Garden. And people say, there's a botanical garden in Santa Fe? I say, well, that's part of the reason I want to be on the board. Is because <laughs> people don't have any idea that we have a botanical garden. And then the New Mexico Children's Foundation, and prior to that, I was uh, on the board of the Cancer Foundation for New Mexico. And the boardroom, <clears throat> due to my uh, wife's family and I, is named in my deceased wife's memory. Without getting into a, uh, a spoiler alert, Bill, um, this is refu- referred to as your debut thriller. Um, what about it makes it a thriller? <laughs> well... Um, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting, the, uh, the path that, uh, we go on to pursue justice and, uh, how we manage to get to, I have a friend here in Albuquerque who, um, uh, does a lot of work for the Department of Defense, uh, the CIA, um, he's got, uh, Pentagon connections through his family, and he has kind of a high-end machine shop. And one day I uh, I walked into his office. He and I were going to have lunch, and sitting on his desk was a drone, and uh, <laughs> it's the kind that can stay airborne for sixty hours. It's got a very high resolution uh, camera, and it's made of materials that make it virtually invisible in the air, which are classified materials. Which, of course, because of his connections he had access to. And I thought, wow, that would be really cool to use to check on what's going on with <laughs> my wife and her boyfriend and all sorts of stuff. And and so, you know, just the chase and the elements of what's involved and how we finally get her uh, is, uh, is what partially makes it a thriller. But also just the journey of, you know, it's hard to believe you know, you keep hoping that something good is going to happen between these two people, and bad things just keep happening, you know what I mean? And she just <laughs> keeps getting worse and worse, and you keep thinking, holy cow, when when is this going to turn around, you know? And, uh, you know, growing up, um, you know, we weren't wealthy. I came from a kind of a poor family. And uh, the philosophy was, just stick with it, and eventually it'll be okay. Right. And so that's kind of where I was with this gal, you know, just hang in there and eventually she'll realize you're a really terrific guy. This young uh, Mexican guy that she's involved with is nothing and she's going to want to come back to you and live in this house and be your wife and, you know, make things be the way they were supposed to be. 
So just stick with it. And eventually, you know, your therapist has to slap you around and say, <laughs> what are you talking about? You are crazy if you think this is going to change. Get out. And that's literally what my therapist did. After the first session, she said to me, let me, let me interrupt you. And I said, oh, okay, what? She said, this woman is horrible. You need to get rid of her. I said, what? She said, seriously. And I said, wow. She said, no, you need to talk to your attorney tomorrow. And I said, uh, okay. She said, she will destroy you financially, emotionally, in every way she can. And I thought, holy catfish. And uh, so, by God, I called my attorney the next day and started the process. But What's, you know, what? it, took, it took that kind of cold water you know, to go, somebody who doesn't really even know me can look at this and say, Bill, you've, you've got to stop this. <laughs> Bill, um, what's, what's next for you? Uh, have you gotten the writing bug now, or will there be uh, another book, or will, will we see this uh, maybe on the big screen? Well, I'll tell you, I've had a few reviews on Kindle, and uh, people have said, this story needs to be turned into a movie. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that if that's where that goes. Um, you know what? Um, <clears throat> I have written shorter fiction, 5,000-word kind of things in the past, and um, I would like to expand on a couple of those ideas. Um, my father had his engineering degree from uh, Rice, a uh, master's degree, <clears throat> and... Uh, served in the early 60s when I was growing up on the <clears throat> city council in the town I grew up in in Montana. And that town is home to Malmstrom Air Force Base, which was the home of the Minuteman Antiballistic Missile System. And uh, the CIA, and it's starting in about 1962 or 3, right after the Cuban Missile Crisis, started publishing estimates of how many times over the Russians could blow us up. It's 5,000 times over they could blow us up. But don't worry. We can blow them up 8,000 times over. <laughs> times over. <clears throat> and so my father is handing out pamphlets to people. You can find them in the Albuquerque Nuclear Museum that say things like, how to turn urine into potable water. And you're like, ick. <laughs> you know, but that's the kind of junk. that. And, and so finally one day I came home, and, in the, and my father built a... Um, greenhouse in the backyard and neighbors would come up and say your bomb shelter's under that right and he'd say no there's no bomb shelter and they'd wink you know and he'd say no seriously it's just a greenhouse i'm raising roses and uh so finally i came home from school my mom and dad and my sister are all in the living room and they're crying and so i start to cry what's going on <clears throat> and my mother says beal that's my dad's name. Uh, he said, yeah, Jenny Doris. She said, you mean to tell me that when the bombs start falling, we're just going to sit here in the living room and take it? And my <laughs> father said, no, Jenny Doris, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to run outside, strip off my clothes, and say, hit me first. He said, Jenny Doris, if this ever happens, the living will envy the dead. He said, if this starts, it's over. We're all dead. And he said, I'm an engineer. I can't make the numbers work. And so <clears throat> he resigned from the city council. He quit handing out those pamphlets encouraging <laughs> people to build bomb shelters. He said, it's a waste of money. 
if a nuclear bomb hits anywhere near you, you're dead. Oh, that's it's funny. over. Hey, Bill, and I have to squeeze another break in here. You want to stick around so we can wrap things up? I'd love to, Tom. Thanks. All right. My guest is uh, Bill Sobert. He's the author of The Girl with the Green Lipstick. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are 92.1 LPFMWFOV, our voices radio in Flint. If you're streaming Hello us, there, we have some messages as well. Here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you 
that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back as uh, we continue with today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And my guest this hour, the author of a debut thriller called The Girl with the Green Lipstick, uh, who uh, is also host of uh, a radio show in uh, at the uh, NPR affiliate in Santa Fe, Bill Saubert. And uh, Bill, welcome back. And again, thanks for sticking around. Well, Tom, it's a real pleasure, and thank you. I have enjoyed uh, this chat immensely, and uh, I uh, I hope uh, uh, I can be uh, uh, provide a lesson to people or a warning. Um, you know, I mean, uh, when uh, Carol, my the love of my life, died, I was sixty, and uh, you know, my my life had been uh, arranged for two people. You know, I mean, we were, you know, we're, this was the good part. You know, this is the part we'd worked our butts off for, and we were looking forward to having uh, the rest of our lives together, and it just didn't turn out that way. And, uh, you know, you, uh, you're just, you're confused, you're, you're hurt, you're a little angry, and uh, when a very pretty, fun, uh, did I mention sexy uh, girl, a uh, young woman, uh, age appropriate. I mean, she was about seven years younger than I am. Um, shows up and 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 displays some interest. Uh, you you just can't believe that um, life's going to resume again in a good way. And so you kind of just get drawn into it. And uh, manipulators, as this woman is, uh, know how to really kind of tie you up in knots. And um, I don't know that they study it or it just comes naturally, but, you know, <laughs> but they're quite effective at it. And you know what amazed me, Tom, was I would start telling people about my story, and about one in three would say, oh, my God, that happened to my brother, that happened to my daughter, that happened to my best friend. And you'd say, yeah, you know what? They are around, and they are evil. And this is something we have to be aware of, and uh, you just don't, you know, I mean, I grew up thinking the best in everyone, and you don't even, it doesn't even enter my mind that somebody could even possibly be this way. And uh, and yet, uh, there you are. Uh, you just, uh, you you experience it, and I thought, you know what, I think there's a lesson here for others, and I want to share that a little bit. And uh, and let people know just really how bad um, somebody can be. Well, Bill, uh, we're a little bit past our time, and and I need to wrap things up. But I have one final question, and that is, 
are you still dating, or are you a little gun-shy now <laughs> after the well, experience? Well, that... to be quite honest, <clears throat> I have a friend in this community where I live who is a matchmaker, and I have engaged her services, and she is quite good at vetting uh, people that you might uh, have an interest in dating. And so I'm, you know, it's kind of low-key. I'm not dating anybody at the moment. Um, but I, if this woman identifies somebody that she thinks uh, might be a good fit, a good match, you know, then we go out. And uh, but frankly, I'm, you know, I'm, right now I'm in a very good place, just living with my dog. And uh, <laughs> so, so my dog and I are really happy. And uh, so that's that's how it's going to go. Well, the book is uh, The Girl with the Green Lipstick, based on a true story. Um, unfortunately, uh, a story that happened to a real nice guy, Bill Saubert, who's been my guest this last hour. Bill, thanks so much, and uh, good luck with the book, and, and I hope we see it on the big screen someday. Well, thanks again, Tom. It's been a real pleasure, and I've enjoyed every second of this. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That was uh, author and NPR host Bill Saubert, the author of a true story the girl with the green lipstick a uh, debut thriller for bill and with that we're going to take a short break we got lots more of the tom sumner program coming up it is friday so we have a musical guest next hour and uh, we're going to talk about uh, rap music and uh, immigration with um, luca dl from brazil who lives in new york now
the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Al Hatch with Back to the Bricks, and you're listening to the Tom Summer Show. Stream us live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon at TomSumnerProgram.com, made possible by listeners like you. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation.
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.